Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. One of my tests for a great movie is whether I want to see it again. Not immediately after, but sometime. I've been intrigued. I want to straighten out certain plot bits. But above all, I suspect I'll enjoy it more the second time. Well, not everyone agrees with this. The legendary critic Pauline Kael made it a point of principle never to see the same film twice. But she had an astonishing memory, and she probably didn't have to see too many films about time travel. Ted, good thinking, dude. After the report, we'll time travel back to two days ago, steal your dad's keys and leave them here. Where? I don't know. How about behind that sign? That way, when we get here now, they'll be waiting for us. See? Whoa, yeah! Speaking as someone with a barely average memory, there are a number of reasons to see a film again. You may love being in that world. Musicals like The Sound of Music were famous for encouraging multiple viewings. The storyline may be dense and challenging. Casablanca, city of hope and despair, located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. Casablanca, for instance, has at least a dozen stories in it. Blink and you miss some of them unless you watch it again. On the other hand, sometimes there's just the one story, but it defies explanation, no matter how often you see it. Dave, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? No, not at all. I've wondered whether you might be having some second thoughts about the mission. Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey bewildered me at least half a dozen times, though it encouraged future sci-fi directors to confound audiences even more. And in the future, all bets are off, including gambling on it making any sense. The key to the future is finally unearthed. Bring it to me. They know you're here. However, with sci-fi and space opera, you can count on the enthusiasm of fanboys and girls. Star Wars in particular has followers who'll obsess over the minutest details forever. How else to explain the allure of Boba Fett, who became a cult figure on the back of about three forgettable lines of dialogue? You may take Captain Solo to Jabba the Hutt after I have Skywalker. He's no good to me dead. He will not be permanently damaged. But if you want to tangle audiences up in knots, there's no business like the time travel business. And there's no one who does it like British writer-director Christopher Nolan. You might have to decide between seeing your children again and the future of the human race. We'll find a way that we always have. 
from the time games of Interstellar and the dreams within dreams of Inception, right back to Memento, where he told the story backwards, Nolan can't leave time alone. His latest, Tenet, like its name, reads the same backwards and forwards. Don't try to understand it. Feel it. But just because it's bewildering the first time doesn't necessarily mean you want to repeat the experience. Sometimes what lures you back isn't too much material. Sometimes it's a feeling of something missing, something to find out yourself. Your partners made you have sex when you didn't want to. Never. Rarely. Sometimes. Always. Okay. A delicate story like Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always benefits from some deliberate holes left in the story. And the French film Two of Us opens with a puzzle that's never explicitly referred to. We may never know, particularly after scrambling our brain with Tenet. We all believe we've run into the burning building. But until we feel that heat, we can never know. Now, generally, I pride myself in not getting lost in a Christopher Nolan film until at least halfway through. OK, I'm willing to put up with a certain amount of mystery going in, like a terrorist attack on a classical concert in Moscow countered by American troops pretending to be Russians. Hey, why not? You do. You chose to die instead of giving up your colleagues. Our hero is captured, but avoids questioning by taking a suicide tablet. He wakes up, he's star John David Washington, so of course he wakes up, to be greeted by Martin Donovan in that thankless role, Basil Exposition. That test you passed? Not everybody does. Welcome to the afterlife. It turns out that the Battle of the Opera House was a test, an incredibly elaborate, costly test to see how brave and patriotic our man is. I call him our man. John David Washington, son of Denzel Washington, doesn't actually have a name in Tenet. But he does have a mission, explained to him by Clemence Poesy. Well, I say explained. To do what I do. I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. Prevent World War III, eh? That's the sort of thing nameless heroes have been doing since the days of 007. But it's not as easy as this. Is there a nuclear holocaust on the horizon? No, something worse, something involving time travel. One of these bullets is like us, travelling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? And when I say something involving, you know I mean something incomprehensibly entangled, where rat bags from the future are invading the past. 
you know, like Terminator, but doing it backwards. That's right, one timeline goes this way, the other goes that way. We're going to need some help. All I have for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Now, one thing Christopher Nolan can do is rope in a particularly attractive cast. Aside from Clemence Poesy, we're joined by Robert Pattinson as a mysterious sidekick. Aaron Taylor-Johnson as an even more mysterious sidekick, possibly from the future. And, of course, Nolan regular Sir Michael Caine. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. He can communicate with the future. Time travel. No. Inversion. As always with Michael Caine and a Christopher Nolan film, you wish there was rather more Michael and rather less film. Time to introduce the villain, another Nolan regular, Sir Kenneth Branagh, as a dodgy Russian billionaire with a hotline to the future and a troubled wife, the gorgeous and statuesque Elizabeth Debicki, who's worth watching in anything. Who's the America? Seems nice. I invited him to the dinner. It's good with fists for a diplomat. Now, the idea of time running both forward and backwards is bad enough. I defy anyone to watch an action sequence in two time directions at once and not get confused, even when it happens again later in the film from the other direction. I know, that sentence makes no sense to me either, and I wrote it. Name it and pull the trigger. You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Oh. Well, I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. So since I'd basically been cast adrift from the narrative at this stage, I looked out for other things to divert me, of which there are surprisingly many. Christopher Nolan may be too clever by several halves, but he knows how to stage a scene and fill it with interesting characters. Seems bold. Bold, I'm fine with it. I thought you were going to say nuts. Robert Pattinson and John David Washington as the two time-travelling buddy cops are surprisingly likeable, as are Clemence Posey and Elizabeth Debicki with rather less to do. And I'd like to put a word in for an actress with the best name since Tuppence Middleton last year, Bollywood star Dimple Kapadia. You have to start looking at the world in a new way. Dimple plays anti-heroine Priya, whose job is to confuse our nameless hero, if ever there was a job that didn't need doing. So I watch the cast doing whatever they're doing throughout Tenet and relish the scale of the action. I can't remember when I last saw such gigantic big-budget action on a big screen. March? Christmas? I have no idea what you're getting yourself into if you go through that door. It's slow motion when I dance. Well, I'm going, so any tips will be welcome. Ain't no time on faces scams. But even halfway through, not only was I not remotely tempted to see Tenet again sometime in the future, I was starting to regret having to see the rest of the film even once. As Taluda Bankhead once said about an equally hollow experience, there's rather less here than meets the eye. What happened here? Hasn't happened yet. 
Two of Us is the English title of a French film with the more elusive title De at home. And it features the Italian version of a 60s song that was a hit around the world called I Will Follow Him. But the Italian lyrics are different. They talk about an island with just two inhabitants. Tu vivrai con me. In this case, the two don't live anywhere together, not yet. Madeline and Nina are two 60-something women who live in adjoining apartments in a block of flats. They've been lovers for years, and finally, Madeline has agreed to tell her family and then sell up and start a life with Nina. I wanted to tell you very important for me. I wanted to tell you that I love you. But can she do it? Mato is so anxious not to antagonise her grown-up children that she keeps putting it off. Nina, played by German star Barbara Sokova, is impatient. Mato keeps saying she'll tell them. Why won't she? It's the 21st century. Who cares about two ageing lesbians? Higuine, higuignote. Les lesbiennes, ça vous pose un problème? Enfin, non. Tu vois, Mado? Tu vois, Mado? There's a fight, and then something worse, something far worse. Madeline has a stroke and finds herself a helpless invalid, unable to speak, barely able to move. The family take over the care of mum, or rather hand it over to paid help, with no idea that the neighbour, Madame Dawn, is in fact Madeline's partner and has been for years. Can Nina tell them when Madeline so clearly couldn't? That's the bare bones of the story, featuring two marvellously evocative performances, Barbara Sokova and Martin Chevalier, who has the harder task of conveying so much with no dialogue and the minimum of movement. Like Nina, we struggle to discover if Madeline is even aware of her presence, let alone able to remember their life together. Madame Girard, votre voisine est venue vous voir, Madeleine. Turvis was written and directed by Italian director Filippo Meneghetti, of whom I know very little except that this is his first feature. He wrote it too, and while it's mostly set in an anonymous French city, it constantly refers to where the couple met all those years ago, Meneghetti's hometown Rome. Comme ça, tu ne vends plus l'appartement. Monsieur Bremont vient de me dire que tu n'étais plus intéressé. C'est ce que vous a dit, non when Madeline's self-centered daughter gets into casual conversation with Nina, she wonders why she chose such a dreary place to retire in. Wouldn't she be happier somewhere like Rome? Little knowing that Nina and Madeline had been planning just that trip for years. C'est drôle quand même d'avoir choisi cet endroit pour prendre sa retraite. Ça c'est le Colisée. C'est marrant, dirait Madame Dorn. The story moves forwards, not completely predictably, but it's not that or the terrific performance given by Martin Chevalier or Barbara Sokova that intrigued me so much, so much that I wanted to see it again. 
Combien de fois tu m'as sorti je, cette excuse je, je te dis que j'ai essayé de... Arrête, arrête Nina. Nina. The film opens with two little girls playing hide-and-seek by the river. Who are they? Why does one suddenly vanish? What's that mysterious rippling piece of material in the water? What is this? Billy Joe McAllister and the Tallahatchie Bridge? Sorry, wrong cryptic 60s song, I guess. But it's that little extra frisson of mystery added to the touching story of Nina and Mado that makes the difference in two of us. Maybe director Menighetti just put it in to make it more interesting. Well, it worked, and it leaves us wondering even more whether these two will ever make it to their own private island. American director Elizabeth Hittman makes films for and about young people, particularly women. She was one of the directors on the controversial TV series 13 Reasons Why, and she also made a film called It Felt Like Love, which is a quote from a harrowing old Shangri-La's song. Her new film is a stripped-to-the-bone account called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. That looks like a positive. Um, if it's positive, is there any way it could be negative? No. A positive is always a positive. We first meet Autumn at an end-of-year school concert. She sings and plays guitar, and after a rocky start, some punk heckles her for some reason, she finishes to applause. Afterwards, there's a family supper, and Mum encourages Dad to say something supportive. Tell her how great she was. It's kind of hard to compliment someone who's always in a foul mood. It's a phase. Keep telling yourself that. You were really good. Well, Dad is a jerk, in fact, as are all of the male characters and never rarely, sometimes, always, including her creepy boss at the supermarket. Autumn works there part-time with her cousin Skylar. I didn't see you at school today. I went to the doctor. What's wrong? Girl problems? Skylar notices that Autumn's not well. Girl problems. But she doesn't know yet what that problem is. In small-town Pennsylvania, people don't talk too much about unexpected pregnancy, particularly unwanted pregnancy. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude? All the time. This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. Autumn has no idea what to do. She can expect no help from the ultra-conservative local clinic and she has no intention of bringing her parents into it, least of all Dad. The only one she can talk to is Skylar. She's not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. Skylar may not be the sharpest tool in the kit, but she's street smart enough to know that there's no help to be had at home. They'll have to go to New York City, miles away and costing who knows how much. They manage to get their hands on some money. Not enough, as it turns out. Downtown Hotspur. 
are you doing there? Seeing family and stuff. On the bus, they meet a young guy who's clearly going to feature later in the film. Autumn and Skylar give him the slip and make their way to a Brooklyn clinic. Since it's the American health system, the first questions are to do with money. Okay. So I'm your financial counsellor. I'll be helping you sort out the payment for today. Are you currently insured? Yes. Great. Can I see your insurance card? The fact that your first port of call, even at a clinic like this, is something called a financial counsellor is more of a surprise to me than it is for Autumn. And there are likely to be added complications that are going to add even more expenses to the trip. Wait, um, if I do this, would my parents get some kind of bill? They'd get a statement. That's correct. Um, is there anything else I can do? Following Autumn and Skylar's journey is a harsh lesson in how difficult the system makes it for young women like Autumn, 17 years old and living in the wrong state. Even in cosmopolitan New York, she'll have to run the gauntlet of protest groups aggressively challenging her as she goes into the clinic. And once in, Autumn will face some pretty intrusive questioning. I'm going to ask you some questions. They can be really personal. Just answer either never, rarely, sometimes, or always. The answers may seem simple, never, rarely, sometimes, always, but the questions are often complex. The scene where Autumn addresses her history, the only hint we get about the events that led her to this situation, is told in one relentless shot. Has anyone forced you into a sexual act ever in your lifetime, yes or no? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell me about it? No, no. It's okay. Autumn doesn't want to cry. Her mission is hard enough without putting emotional roadblocks in front of her. But it's not over yet, and the quest to essentially make sure she stays safe in the big bad city with no money is what keeps us on the edge of our seat. Who came with you today? My cousin. Do you have a place to stay tonight? I know you came from far away. I'll figure it out. This area's closed. Can I sleep here? Where's the rest of the money? That and a growing wish to see the beginning of the film again. What is Dad's problem with his daughter? Why was that young punk giving poor Autumn such a hard time? And did Skylar know what she was going through? I want to make sure that you're safe. Well, that's a story for another viewing. But the first viewing was so touching, particularly first-time actor Sidney Flanagan as Autumn, that I was left strangely uplifted by what could easily have been dark and depressing. And maybe that's why I want to see it again, to see what's under the surface. But right now, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.